Welcome to the Straight Talk Physio Podcast with your physical therapist, Dr. Andrew Junak and Dr. Craig Giambattista. On today's episode, we are welcoming our guest, uh, medical doctor, Samantha Jensen from Lifecycle Direct Primary Care. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So for our viewers who may not know who you are and want to learn a little bit more, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then afterwards, I'll kind of talk about how we met and kind of give a little bit of background there as well. Yeah. So um, I'm Dr. Samantha Jensen. I'm a board certified family medicine physician, and I'm practicing here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, My family is from Ohio, just a little bit west of Columbus, and I've been in medicine since I was 18. I started in my father's family medicine clinic. I was doing prior authorizations with insurance companies on day three, and then I eventually went to medical school. I did emergency medical services as a volunteer uh, throughout my medical school training, and then landed up at East Tennessee State University in Bristol, Tennessee for my residency training. So patients would drive up to two hours out of the holler to come see us and they would be pretty sick when they would come see us. So I got to see a variety of pathology and got to really take care of some folks. So I've seen healthy folks and sick folks and it was just a great training experience. And so I have wanted to be a primary care doctor since I could crawl. Um, since I learned that women didn't have to be nurses, they could be doctors too. That's that's when it was solidified. And so a lot of that is watching my parents, my dad's a family doc, my mom's a nurse, and just watching them take care of the whole family and knowing you know the ins and outs of everything that's going on with them so that they can make the best treatment plan. And that's what I've always wanted to do is knowing the whole person, knowing the whole family and being able to be that person that you lean on in sickness and in health. Yeah, great. Um, super interesting. Sounds like massive background. My dad was an accountant, so I'm a physical therapist, so not in the family for me. But I always think that's such a like a cool story to have. I did medical records myself, though, at the office he worked at. So how you got into medicine after looking through a bunch of charts and doing pre-offs, I think you deserve a round of applause for that one. Um, but I think it's also cool that you kind of see what goes on, you know, on the back end as well. Yes. Being there from the beginning, I was like, okay, like this is how you take up blood pressure. And now, you know, that's obviously second nature. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. It's, it's kind of funny that you mentioned, like you, you started out almost on more the insurance side of like looking at, you know, the billing and stuff like that and prior off. I like, I like want to get sick thinking about prior authorizations and stuff like that now. So props to you for sticking with it and deciding to take the next step and, you know, stay in healthcare after seeing that side of things as well. But what makes it really interesting is um, kind of how you work now. So because you don't do anything with prior auth and insurance and stuff like that. So do you want to talk or speak to your current role as um, part of Lifecycle Direct Primary Care? Yeah, I, I do try my hardest to avoid doing insurance for authorizations now. <laughs> So um, I left the fee-for-service healthcare model, which is what most folks are familiar with, to do direct primary care. And direct primary care is that relationship with your physician that does not involve the insurance company. It's a flat monthly rate that is uh, specifically in our practice set to be very affordable for the average American. 
and we provide calling, texting, emailing with your board certified physician at, you know, any day time, uh, same day visits if you need them. And it's just a different relationship with healthcare. And we will sometimes, you know, still need to do a prioritization with your insurance company if you have insurance and you want to utilize that for you know, imaging or certain, you know, higher cost prescription medications. But um, we don't utilize your insurance for our services as your physician. We just cut out the middleman, make it a flat rate fee and, and call it a day. I think that's super interesting. Like, and for our listeners out there that like have never heard the term fee for service, even though that I think most people believe that 100% like of healthcare is fee for service. Can you just explain like what that means and then why you don't want to do it? Yeah. So fee for service is the standard model of medicine nowadays. Uh, Patients have health insurance that they pay, you know, upwards of several hundred dollars a month to have their health insurance. And then they pay a copay and then they pay towards their deductible and then they have to hit a several thousand dollar deductible before their insurance covers 80% of the remaining bill. And so you just keep throwing money at an insurance company when they've raised the fees on the service that is being offered. Um, Some prescription medications are raised up to 400%. And then you pay that when you go to the pharmacy and you don't even think about it because 400% on a medicine that's, you know, two, three cents per pill doesn't seem like that much. But when it's a higher cost medication, you really feel that. Um, And so then your physician has to then say, okay, well, I addressed X number of problems today. Therefore, I'm going to code your visit as this certain billing code and then request that your insurance company ask you for your deductible. And it just adds too many wrenches in the mix. And in my opinion, it hurts patients. Um, It raises costs. It inhibits your ability to get good health care. Sometimes it's only certain clinicians available and they don't know your history. Or sometimes you are choosing not to go in because you know that it's a $35 or $40 copay before you get your $120 bill to see the doc. Yep. Yeah, I I can actually attest to that. This was actually just last month. I went to an ENT appointment and uh, I paid my $50 copay and my expectation was like, oh, I had $50 copay, no big deal. I paid it at the time of visit. Um, and then later on, uh, they didn't mention to me like any of the things that they were going to do or what the cost was. Uh, I received a bill for uh, $350 <laughs> for um, the five minutes that I spent with the ENT. He did a little scope thing, looked up my nose, looked up the other side, uh, and I received this monster bill. And the crazy thing was that wasn't even what um, the total that he billed insurance for. The total was $585. Um, and I was responsible for that lump sum of change. And my insurance covered none of it. I don't understand how the adjustments are done because it really doesn't make sense. It's almost like, oh, we'll just take this invisible number off the top. But like you look at it and your insurance didn't actually adjust it. So I, I feel that with the driving up of healthcare costs and much like us, we're kind of in the, the same boat as you guys, as far as like getting away from fee for service and going towards more of that like pay for performance type model. Like 
hey, you're looking for an outcome or, you know, here's a flat rate that covers this service. There's no additional charges. You know what it's going to be at the end of the day. Like you have this solid foundation of, oh, this isn't going to break the bank for me. Or if it might break the bank for you, you at least know it walking into the situation. So um, I would have felt, you know, now I feel differently about returning back to that next appointment um, because I don't know what the fees are going to be on the other end. I just got a bill two months later that was, or a month later that said, hey, you owe this much. And I'm like, whoa. And you wanted to see me again, like in three weeks? Woo. So. Yeah. And that's how certain corporations in healthcare are getting bigger because smaller doctors' offices like private practice clinics don't have that strong negotiating power with the insurance companies. And so that's where that invisible number comes in, where they've adjusted it by a certain number that's individualized based on the physician's agreement or the group employer agreement with that particular insurance plan. And so if your buddy had gone in with a different type of insurance plan and been charged the exact same thing there, they would not pay the same thing for the same service. And I feel that that's unjust. Uh, you should know what you're going to pay and we have good faith estimates, thanks to the federal government law that just went into place, I think it was last year, but that only really applies to folks that are uninsured. And so if you do have insurance, you still get these mystery surprise bills. Yeah. And it does not apply to large hospital systems yet, which I feel like that's where that's where the bulk of it needs to be applied. So it's like, it's kind of come down to the uninsured, but uh, I can't wait till it comes down to, you know, the larger systems because something does need to be done. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think just, again, just to highlight just like what you're saying in plain English is two different places can charge the same thing and have a different agreement with the insurance company and get reimbursed differently. Exact same patient, exact same diagnosis, exact same procedure, exact same everything. But just because one building is different than the other, then there can be a different sort of payment, which I think a lot of people don't know that. And hopefully that's a little surprising and it's making somebody's gears turning that, that's listening. Um, but kind of in that same vein on the other end. So I think we understand this, like how the, the system is inherently flawed, but what would you say to a patient? Cause I have like my mother in my right ear, I can hear her right now. She's like, but I have insurance. Like I need to use it, you know, like that's just her line. Of, it's so linear in the sense that like, I don't get it, you know? So like it, when that patient walks in, how do you break? Cause we have a lot of patients that listen to this, right? So like, what's your patient friendly language for kind of explaining what's the benefit of this? You know, why, why do this? Why leave the fee for service model that has kind of like hug you and you're like so comfortable with the fee for service model. So I try to explain to them that just because it's new doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad for you. Um, and just because you've always been comfortable with the fee-for-service model doesn't necessarily mean that they're always doing right by you. And I put it in terms of dollars and cents. Um, for most of my patients who have a high deductible health plan, which is what a lot of companies offer, if you're probably through your employer's insurance, we can save the average adult between six and $700 a year to not use their insurance and still pay for a high deductible health plan. Heaven forbid they're ever in a car accident or need hospitalized. And once we break it down like that, I, I actually have a graph that I show them. This is how much I charge for this. This is how much they charge. And this is where we would save you the money. 
And once they can see that on paper, they're like, this shouldn't make sense, but yet it does. And, and that's exactly where I go with that. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I think the visual probably has to be super helpful, especially when talking about like such complex cases. Um, but you did mention keeping and like, so me and Andrew will talk about this, right? So we're obviously huge proponents of cash pay physical therapy and, you know, physical therapy in this primary setting. But we also agree there are these small cases where like maybe using your insurance is good. Do you still feel like those, uh, you know, do those opportunities, are there still those situations or should I go cancel my insurance right now? I'm done with it. So we do recommend that everybody have health insurance. Um, for those, you know, catastrophic events. But when, when you think of insurance, I like to think of it for catastrophes. And we have car insurance that covers us if we're in a car accident, but it does not cover your oil change. It does not cover your 100,000 mile service. It is for emergencies. And I would like to see us stop using our health insurance for routine checkups and for chronic care management but rather using it for unexpected hospitalizations or emergency room visits. And I think that that'll make a, a big difference for most folks. hundred percent. Yeah. I think that's, that makes sense. That's how insurance I believe was meant to be used in the first place. And then it turned into um, kind of the, the problem system that we have right now of inflationary costs and, um, lots of mystery around bills and where's this coming from and how am I going to pay for this? Um, but let's, let's do this. Let's take the insurance. Let's put that aside and let's, let's focus on clinical care. So how has your life changed and your practice changed, um, moving away from that model? Like what are some of the benefits that uh, you're able to provide your patients, uh, with what you do on a daily basis, as opposed to what you were able to do before? So I find a significant amount uh, of much more fulfillment in my daily job and just my life in general, moving away from the fee-for-service model. Um, previously, I was responsible for a panel of patients of about 2,600 um, under me as the physician. And then I also uh, was required by my previous employer to collaborate with up to five different nurse practitioners and then I would have to review their cases in my free time. And I didn't really feel like I had any free time to do that in. And cases if you don't have the free time to review them. In. Exactly. And so I would stay up late doing charts and I would be worrying about my patients because I knew that I needed more time with them. I needed to do more for them. And I just physically could not do it. Or it wasn't enough hours in a day. Um, and they actually recently came out with a study that a primary care physician for the average patient panel needs to be working 26 point something hours a day to take care of their patients. And obviously we know there's only 24 hours in a day and it's just not going to happen. And so direct primary care, a maximum patient panel is 600. It's a huge difference. It's like a and quarter of the size, less than a quarter. Exactly. And so I can spend the first several visits with a patient, having those be an hour each, getting to know them, getting to know their history, their family. And then when I see them next time, I know almost everything about them that when they complain of something, I can be like, oh, 
oh, you'll get better from that pretty quickly. Or, hey, wait a second, this isn't usual for you. And you have this other thing in your family history. We need to take this part seriously and we need to act on it now and do a workup now. And getting to know them allows them just better care and personalized care that just is not able in my previous job and in the previous fee-for-service model. Yeah, super interesting. And it seems like this is one of those, and this is always like my big question with this kind of stuff. Like, it seems like too good to be true, right? Like everything you're saying, it like makes complete sense. You know, it's like, so I guess my question to you and me and Drew will like, like bang our heads against the wall of this in the PT road is like, why aren't more people doing this? You know, like how do, how do, how do more people get on board? Do you view this as like, are you on your little island there? Or is healthcare shifting this way? You know, like if it, if it, you know, it makes so much sense, right? You know, like what's, what's the future looking like? Like, how would you describe that? So I'm hoping that this is a shift um, in the healthcare model. There are well over 2000 physicians that are already doing direct care. Most of those are direct primary care, but some of those are direct specialty care. So there's urologists and rheumatologists that are also doing this kind of model. And it does sound too good to be true. Um, and so that leaves a lot of people feeling, you know, unsure as to whether or not it's sustainable. And some folks view it as you know, initially a pay cut. It takes, you know, at least a year or two to build up your panel. And if you're not mentally prepared for a year or two of living, you know, like we were in training again, <laughs> then that might be challenging for you. But I'm still close enough to my training that my husband and I were ready to live like residents again and make this change for, you know, having healthier patients and a happier lifestyle. And I hope that other physicians, if they're listening to this, would consider changing to direct care. Um, it makes a big difference for physician burnout. There's doctors leaving the healthcare field left and right because they can't keep up with the demands of the hospital system. And if they hire someone with less training to do the same role, that is dangerous for patients. That doesn't help anyone. And so hopefully direct primary care and direct specialty care can shift healthcare and put the focus back on the patient take it out of the hands of, you know, big corporations and put the power back with the patient. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I think the hardest part is, and, and the hope is, is that shift not only happens with, you know, in the field of the physicians and in the providers itself, but I also think that it, this shift needs to happen in patients too. And I think it's really tough because patients don't like, especially from our perspective, patients don't realize that they're getting poor care. You know what I mean? They have no comparison. So oftentimes they'll come to us and they'll be like, oh yeah, I've been getting, uh, I get massages twice a week. I get, you know, adjustments twice a week. I get all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you're sat here in my office. You shouldn't have pain. If you're shelling out all this money, seeing all these different providers, you, sh you should be in good shape. Like what's missing here, but no one took the time to actually figure out what is this patient dealing with? Like, what is the actual cause of this problem? Yeah, we're going to rub the spot that hurts. We're going to scrape it. We're going to do all this stuff, stick needles in it. But at the end of the day, no one sat down and interviewed the patient and figured out, oh, this is coming from this spot. This is the source. Let's treat that. 
and let's take the time to work on it. So we see that a lot, but oftentimes the consumers, unfortunately, they're taken advantage of because they have this thing that they're forced to pay for called insurance. And because of that, they feel this obligation that they need to use it. So, um, but, you know, if you don't know if what you're getting is actually quality, then it's really hard to see quality, even if it smacks you in the face. Um, but enough of that. What about, what are your specialties? Like, what are some of the things that, um, you might offer as a direct primary care physician or your areas of interest that someone might not be able to get if they went through uh, just any other physician? So I can offer time, especially as a direct primary care physician. And my special interests personally are in um, whole family care. So I am one of the few family docs that does uh, women's health. I do obstetrical care and um, in the credentialing process to deliver babies at one of our local hospitals. And so I will be able to see a mom from preconception counseling through her pregnancy and then take care of the baby afterwards and provide that whole comprehensive family care. The yeah. other big special interest that I have is mental health. Um, it's extremely hard for a patient to be well and have good control of their blood pressure or good control of their diabetes when their mental health is a big red flag. And if the national average of time you're spending with your physician is seven minutes or less, they're probably not able to adequately take care of your mental health. Um, we're really good at prescribing medications, but that's not necessarily what everybody needs. That's not supposed to be first line. And so time where we can get to know them, diagnose the root of the problem, and then offer our services from there. And um, musculoskeletal complaints is not my favorite, which is why I love my physical therapist. Um, but spending that time, that's the biggest thing I can offer is, hey, do you, do you need a physical therapist? Do you need an x-ray? Are we going to eventually need an MRI? Or... Are we just slapping a Band-Aid on this and we'll call it a day because I didn't have enough time to spend with you and talk about your blood pressure and your diabetes. And then you brought up back pain or shoulder pain right there at the end of the visit. And the corporation says, I don't have time to answer that for you today. Yeah, and so, <laughs> yeah, book another appointment. Oh, yeah, we're booked six weeks out. <laughs> another copay, 250 bucks here deductible. Happy to see you again soon. <laughs> And I think one thing worth talking about is like when you mentioned time, like that's such a huge deal, right? Yeah. Like if you pulled a patient off the street right now and, and I, you know, for a, a long time worked in like the typical PT clinic setting, you know, and I would talk to patients and it was like understood that when you saw your primary care doctor, specialist, they were going to pop their head in the room, talk to you for five minutes and leave. And like people somehow got okay with that. And I don't know, it, it, I think because there's no alternative. Um, and people don't know there's a difference and it's kind of like, well, you know, this is how it always is. This is how it's going to be. Like, it just kind of, it is what it is, you know? Um, and I think there, and we talk about this, me and Drew and PT all the time, there needs to be this like overall education piece that's happening, you know, like, how are we going to get people to understand this, that like, even though this is the normal, you know, it absolutely shouldn't be the normal. So that's, we kind of have like a call to action sometimes for our listeners. And it's like, you can't be accepting this as the normal. So hugely refreshing to kind of hear on your end that, you know, you're not succumbing to this, like I'll see you for five minutes, see you later kind of deal. Cause that's, that's essentially what we're used to. 
Yeah. And I love what you guys do. I mean, uh, Andrew and I, we've talked about how you guys also spend that time with your patients and it's, it's refreshing. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, that gets, you know, underplayed and you said it so well is there's so many aspects to helping manage someone's health. Like, you know, our specialty is in the musculoskeletal part, right? That's, that's our main area, but there is a mental component that comes with that. Sometimes people are scared to get hurt again, or there's a fear, or there's this, this level of hopelessness where like, Oh, I have this injury. It's never going to go away. Like, I'm just, am I going to have to live with this? And, you know, if you don't have the time to talk about those barriers and break that stuff down, then we kind of end up in a really sticky situation. So like, and it, the patient's the one who gets hurt and it sometimes it affects their outcome in the long run. So I love that you guys have access to, to care in the way that you do. And I also think that, um, you know, probably after that first appointment, you could probably correct me if I'm wrong, when a patient comes into your office and you do get to spend uh, 45 minutes, an hour with them, then all of a sudden they say, this is, this is why I'm here. This is like something clicks in their head and says, this is it for me. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Exactly. Once the patient experiences this direct care system, they love it. And they question why they didn't know about it before. And so it's really nice to be able to help people in such an impactful way. Well, the big thing then, I guess, is how do we find you? You know, like, how do we find these people? Like, this is all good. I want to go, but I don't know where to go. So how, how do I find this direct, how do I find these direct primary care practitioners? And then specifically, how, how do we find you? So uh, my website, which is the one that everybody should check out, <laughs> lifecycledpcfordirectformaycare.com. And there's information about our bios in there. There's information about our pricing because we are big on price transparency and health equity. And um, you can also click the become a member button on the top right and just fill out your health information online. You can also schedule a free meet and greet um, at your convenience, totally free. And it makes sure that your personality is going to be a good match with the physician before you you know, spend an hour with them and pay money to see them. Um, and then there's also Direct Primary Care Alliance, and they have a database of all of the direct care physicians. And they will let you know on the website, um, it puts a dot on the map if they do full direct care, which is what I do, or if they do hybrid care. And those folks still charge your insurance. And that is not what I do. Um, it's kind of almost borderlining on concierge care, and that ends up costing a whole lot more money. Yeah, what we'll do is we'll make sure we put all of your information uh, that you just gave us in the show notes so that people have easy access to it um, and they can find you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we really appreciate having you here and sharing some of your information, your experience, your expertise. Uh, we really hope that people um, start to reach out to you and start to realize that this model is an amazing model. Um, if you're looking to put your health first, there's no better place to start than working with a direct primary care physician. Um, I got to sit down and have a, a wonderful chat um, with you and learn a little bit more about how you operate and 
Um, people also don't realize the cost savings on the other side. So uh, if you're looking for cost savings and an amazing healthcare experience, uh, there's no other place to look. So thank you for tuning in to the Straight Talk Physio podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to this podcast and the Peak Physiotherapy and Performance YouTube channel. For more information about us, please check us out on Facebook at Peak Physiotherapy and Performance and on Instagram at P3 Physiotherapy. For more information about Craig, you can follow him at Dr. Craig G underscore PT on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any topic suggestions, comments, or questions, then feel free to email us at the straight talk physio podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for watching and have an awesome day.